What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Hey, this is Politics by Faith. My name is Mike Slater. Thank you for being here. If you're new to the program, the very short of it is there's a, a lot of anxiety caused by following the news. It makes me want to check out and not follow the news, but the news is important. So how do we do this? And that's where this podcast comes in, where we take the story of the day, a story of the day, uh, break it down, lament the brokenness in it, and then give some historical perspective and biblical truth that hopefully will make that anxiety wash away. And then how we can move forward and make our lives better from it all. That's the Genesis. So if you're new here, Welcome, and if you've been following us for a long time, I'm incredibly grateful. Story of the day, Congressman George Santos is a big fat liar. Have you been following the unraveling of George Santos? He's 34. He's Republican. He just won his first congressional seat. This is New York's third congressional district, which is uh, parts of Queens and Long Island. Took it from a Democrat. Great. A Republican flip. Turns out he is a serial liar. And he's admitted it, sort of. He claimed he owns 13 rental properties in New York. He owns none. He claimed he went to NYU. He did not. He said he founded a charity, Friends of Pets United, for rescued animals. He did not. He said he was a, quote, seasoned Wall Street financier and investor. I've never heard anyone say I'm a financier, so that should be a hint that you are not. And he said that he worked for Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. He did not. Do we need to go on? He said four of his employees were killed at the Pulse Orlando nightclub shooting in 2016. That did not happen. (laughs) Now, here's what's so fascinating about liars. When they get caught... They, they don't repent. They're not repentant. They just charge ahead. Bill Clinton perfected this technique as it applies to the political world. And maybe this is true in outside politics. Well, but certainly politics, it's a four-step process. First, uh, you're accused of something. You just deny, deny, deny. You just deny it outright. Deny. Second step, when it's undeniable, you show no shame. No shame, no remorse whatsoever, no weakness, as they would see it. Third thing you do is you blame it on uh, or as a political witch hunt. This is nothing but a political witch hunt. And then the fourth thing, 
when everyone has turned against you because it's all just so undeniable. You say, it's time to move on. We have rehashed this time and time again. It is time to move on because we have important work to do. And then if you're a Democrat, it works. And we indeed move on. So George Santos is on step two. Now, this probably will not work because, again, Republican. But he's on step two. Step one was deny, deny, deny. He did that. Step two is to show no shame. And he's doing that. He says, I'm not going to make excuses for this. But (laughs) what's coming is an excuse. Just so you know. I'm not going to make excuses for this. But a lot of people overstate in their resumes or twist a little bit. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that. It's a trademarked double negative that all liars use. I'm not saying I'm not guilty. Wait a minute. So you, so you, I don't even know what, and I love his excuses. These are great. Ready? He said he worked for Goldman Sachs on Wall Street. But what he meant was the company he worked for or worked at did business with Goldman Sachs. So he didn't work for them. He worked for them. Are you just, just, he didn't, he didn't work for Goldman Sachs. He worked over here somewhere else for them, like with them, but not at them. (laughs) Right. Uh, The employees of his who were killed at that Pulse nightclub shooting. Well, they weren't his employees. They were people who were going to be working for a company that he was going to start in Orlando. Oh, okay. But this one is the best of all. He said his grandparents survived the Holocaust. It's a quote. Survived the Holocaust as Ukrainian Jewish refugees from Belgium. Now, that's not true. Now, you got to... I mean, I guess if you're a liar, you don't notice this, but you've, you've, you're claiming you've, you're descended from Holocaust survivors. <laughs> you got to watch out for that one. And some Jewish groups found out and said, no, you're not. And here's what he said. He said, I never claimed to be Jewish. I'm Catholic. Because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background, I said I was Jew-ish. Isn't that great? I, I never said I was Jewish. I'm Jewish, Jewish, like a little, I'm like good Jewy, Jewishy, a little bit Jewish-like. I'm Jew-like is what he meant. Not Jewish, Jewish. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Oh, liars are fun to watch. It's a shame we have so many of them in D.C. and everywhere, of course, but. Sam Stein from, I just, it's a, does it feel like a higher concentration in DC? I don't know. Maybe Sam Stein, he's at MSNBC and Politico. He said, is there any precedent at all to this George Santos situation? Has Congress ever had someone with so many remarkable biographical holes? Um, I mean, I don't know. Our current president said he was a star football player who graduated top of his class and turned down an offer to the Naval Academy. And went on to be a truck driver. None of those things happened. (laughs) And he said he was arrested in a civil rights march and arrested while meeting Nelson Mandela. 
and traveled 17,000 miles with the president of China and also spoke to the inventor of insulin, even though that inventor died before Biden was born. But all that's pretty good for a man who comes from a family of coal miners. <laughs> Again, none of that happened. But same thing, some of Biden's lies are kind of true, and that's how liars tend to operate. Right? Like he said, his helicopter in Afghanistan was flying through the superhighway of terror. Right, So he's on a helicopter in Afghanistan flying through the superhighway of terror, and his helicopter was forced down. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine, enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Wow, forced down. That must have been harrowing to be attacked by the Taliban like that on the superhighway of terror. The thing is, it wasn't attacked by the Taliban. It was weather that forced it down. It was snowing. It was snowing, so they had to land the helicopter early. Forced down. <laughs> so, like, that's just who these politicians are. You can call them fibbers embellishers. I prefer liars. I don't know why that's like offensive to people. Like, Oh, you're a liar. Oh, well, I mean, well, I don't know. Did you lie? Did you tell a lie? Well, you're a liar. And I just wish we would stop trusting these people with anything important at all. All right. So what's really going on here? I was going to focus this episode on shame and how we need to bring back shame in our culture. I think in the past, our culture had too much shame. Maybe so we pushed the pendulum to the exact other extreme where now we've not only removed shame, but we wear it proudly. So someone will do something terrible and, and brag about it. And I'm not ashamed. It's like, it's like a rallying cry of empowerment. Like, oh, you should feel ashamed. You should feel a lot of shame actually right now, but we don't anymore. But this episode is not about shame. We will save that for another day. This episode is about lying. And I thought this was a good New Year's week topic as we are perhaps, you perhaps are considering uh, your New Year's resolution, what it should be. And if you don't have one or you can't think of one, how about stop lying? Oh, Slater, I never lie. Yes, you do. Stop lying. Stop with even the little 
lies. All of them. No excuses. No more little lies. Just be honest to people. Always. You should try it. It's liberating. But the only way you'll do it is if you have a conviction about how it's bad. You have to fully understand the gravity of lying. Otherwise, you will just keep lying. If, if you're like George Santos, this congressman guy, if you're like him and you say everybody else does it or everybody lies or everyone lies a little bit or it's okay to lie sometimes, if you say that, then you'll never feel bad about it enough to stop it. You're probably right now even making excuses for the amount of lying that you do, saying it's not that much or it's not too bad or everyone does it or... Jeez, I don't want to tune into this podcast to get lectured to by Slater who thinks he's better than me. Clear, like I'm not, I, like these are all good signs that this is probably a really good episode for you. So let's just take a second to talk about how much God hates liars and lying. This is a, a great scripture from Joel 2.12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart. And not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. Rend your heart, not your garments. Rend. It's a great word. Rend. We gotta bring this back. So the original Webster's Dictionary, 1828. Rend is to separate any substance into parts with force or sudden violence. To tear asunder. That's another great word. To split. As powder rends a rock in blasting, lightning rends an oak to separate or part with violence. What a great word, rend. So in the Old Testament, all the time when you're reading through it, people are always rending their cloaks. They're rending their clothes in deep sorrow and anguish, just this punishing depth of anguish. And you can visualize they fall to the knees in grief. They rip their, their cloak into two. One time in the Bible, it says people should have rented their cloaks and didn't. Jeremiah was warning Israel for their sins. And the Bible says the king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. So while other people, when they hear terrible news like this, they are uh, full of uh, fear, Greek, uh, grief, uh, pain, anguish. They rend their clothes. Uh, these guys didn't. They were so hard-hearted. They didn't care about their sin. And dare I say, we're like them too. God is telling you lying is bad and we're not rending clothes or hearts. And that's that great line from Joel. Like God, sure, ripped your shirt like Hulk Hogan, I guess, but God really wants you to rend your heart. He wants your heart to be broken by the sin you commit. It's, it's very similar, this idea we talk about all the time that most people, most people don't think they need a savior because they don't think they need saving. Oh, my lies aren't that bad. Whatever. A rend heart knows it needs saving. But, oh, I'm fine. It's no big deal. Everyone does it. I don't lie as much as that person. I'm no George Santos over here. My lies, they're little lies. And they're useful lies. You know, not for me, but for other people. They're lies that make other people feel better. It's helpful. My lying is good, actually. It's a, it's a positive net good for the world. <laughs> See how the, quickly that could be? No, my point is lying is bad. Don't be like George Santos. So let's lament a minute on Washington, D.C. People in D.C. are shameless liars. What's worse than a liar? 
a shameless one. They're not even trying to get away with it anymore. They just lie and we move on. And this profession attracts certain kinds of people. Frauds. Who know they can go to D.C. to get rich off the rest of us. And I don't see it getting any better in D.C. Right? It's the reason, like, honest people don't run. They don't run for office because the opposition will do everything they can to destroy you personally. They'll go through your background and hound your family and all the rest. It costs so much money to run and simple good people just don't, they're not going to do it. And then to win, you probably have to lie a lot. You probably have to lie a little and then start lying a lot. And you have to compromise your values here and there and then it just gets worse and worse. So I, I like my hopelessness is in the fact that I don't know if we'll ever find good people to go to Washington, D.C. again. Maybe a couple here, there, sure, sure, sure. But in mass, I don't see it. This is a great letter from Thomas Jefferson to Peter Carr, a fellow Virginia politician. This is August 19th, 1785. I was going to just do a quick quote, but it's it's also good. Um, this is a letter. You've maybe heard this line before. He said, uh, the defect of these virtues can never be made by all the other requirements of body and mind. So virtue is the most important thing, period. Make these then your first object. Give up money, give up fame, give up science, give the earth itself and all it contains rather than do an immoral act. You've maybe heard that one before, but I got to read this longer paragraph here. Same letter. Whenever you, so this is advice to this other politician from Thomas Jefferson, whenever you are to do a thing, though it can never be known, but to yourself, ask yourself how you would act were all the world looking at you and act accordingly. Encourage all your virtuous dispositions and exercise them whenever an opportunity arises. This is so good. So every opportunity to be virtuous is like doing a push-up or a pull-up. You get stronger. Being assured that they will gain strength by exercise as a limb of the body does. And that exercise will make them habitual. From And this goes the other way too, right? From the practice of the purest virtue, you may be assured that you will derive the most sublime comforts in every moment of life and in the moment of death. Wow. If ever you find yourself environed, surrounded, with difficulties and perplexing circumstances, which every liar will say they are. Oh, I had to. I had to lie. I was, you, know, you don't understand. Out of which you are at a loss how to extricate yourself. What am I to do? Do what is right. And be assured that that will extricate you the best out of the worst situations. Though you cannot see when you fetch one step, what will be your next? Yet follow truth justice and plain dealing and never fear they're leading you out of the labyrinth in the easiest manner possible you don't know what the second third fourth step is going to be just take the proper right first step so good nothing is so mistaken as the supposition that a person is to extricate themselves from a difficulty by intrigue by chicanery by dissimulation it's like uh what's dissimulation it's like uh hiding something by trimming by an untruth by an injustice don't be so mistaken as to believe that's going to help this these things increase the difficulties tenfold and those who pursue these methods get themselves so involved at length that they can turn no way but their infamy becomes more exposed it is of great importance to set a resolution not to be shaken never to tell an untruth 
never tell an untruth. There is no vice so mean, so pitiful, so contemptible as he who permits himself to tell a lie once finds it much easier to do it a second and third time till at length it becomes habitual. He tells lies without attending to it. So he doesn't even know he just does it. And truths without the world's believing him. This falsehood of the tongue leads to that of the heart and in time depraves all of its good dispositions. Oh, the falsehood of the tongue leads to an erosion of the heart. You could perhaps argue it goes the other way, but either way, how good is that? What wonderful advice and for this for this new year. Tell no lie. Oh, but what if I'm in a really tough to tell no lies? Never tell an untruth, as TJ put it. Thomas Jefferson. We're tight. We go by TJ. So there's plenty of examples of lying in the Bible. Satan is one. He's the father of lies. Peter lied to a little girl when he denied knowing Jesus. Little girl. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Lots of liars. God hates liars. Proverbs 6.16, there's six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, number two. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies. There it is again and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So lying is a, a, a bit of all of those. I came across this section of Deuteronomy the other day. I'm going through Deuteronomy, if you can't tell. Chapter 17, uh, God says, if you see someone who's worshiping an idol, stone them to death. And in our modern world, that sounds very harsh, but there's some amazing moral, uh, ethical code and law here, right? So first, the person has to be found worshiping idols, not just hearsay. It's not just... People accuse you or they, they've heard of you. They have to see you. Big difference. Number two, uh, they have to be seen by two different people, two witnesses. So it's never someone's word versus another person's word. Two witnesses and that person is innocent until proven guilty. And third point, the trial is in an open place, a public trial, nothing behind closed doors. But the key point that is easy to glance over, Deuteronomy 17.7, excuse me, uh, yeah, 17.7, the hand of the witness shall be first against him to put him to death and afterward the hand of all the people. So the person, the, the witness, the hand of the witness shall be the first against him to put him to death. So if the person's found guilty, the person who accuses the idol worshiper must be the first person to throw the stone to stone them to death. Why? That is a deterrent to lying. If you are going to lie, or if you are going to bring a serious charge. You must take the lead in carrying out the execution of it. This right here ends all frivolous accusation. Because if you're going to make a frivolous lie, well, you know what? It'll turn you into a murderer. If you're a false witness and that person's put to death, now you're a murderer. It's brilliant. I want to share the story quick of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, twins, born to Rebecca and Isaac. Esau was the older brother. That's an important part of the story. Esau is the older brother, and he gave away his birthright to his younger brother because he, was, uh, he went hunting and he came back and he was very hungry. So there's a lesson there about the allure of instant gratification. Now, it doesn't seem that Jacob was deceitful here. 
Not yet. Anyway, the deceit comes later. So Isaac is the dad. He's getting old. He's about to make his final blessing to Esau. Apparently, dad did not know about this trading of the birthright over some soup, I think. It was uh, the mom who crafted this plan to have the younger brother trick their dad and her husband into giving his blessing to the younger son instead. So Isaac had bad eyesight, and the plan was to wear Esau's clothes and the skin of young goats on his hands and neck because the older brother uh, was hairy, I guess. So Jacob, pretending to be his older brother, comes in and lies to his dad in order to get the blessing. How brutal is that? So uh, Isaac, dad, tells Esau to go hunting, and then Jacob, like quickly after that, comes in and says, uh, hey, dad, I'm back. And dad says, how did you go hunting so quickly? And Jacob said, oh, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. Ooh, you're bringing God into it. And dad said, are you really my son Esau? And Jacob said, I am. So he gives him the blessing. He like brings him in for a kiss and then he smells because he knows his eyes are deceiving. So he smells Jacob because Jacob's wearing Esau's clothing as devised by mom. He got tricked, gave the blessing. Esau comes back, learns of the deceit, is furious, betrayed by his brother and mother. And when Isaac found out, the Bible says he trembled violently. And Esau cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry. The pain that lying causes. But he's like, oh, say that's a big story. That's a big lie. I only tell little lies. And that's not a big deal. I, let me just do this one short because I, I, we got to share this in greater detail another day. But this is just one of my favorites that it's, it's, it's hidden in there. Uh, it's in Second Kings. So Naaman went to Elisha because he had leprosy and he wanted to be clean. And Elisha says, great, no problem. Go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. So Naaman did it and he came out and he was completely healed of leprosy. So then he comes back and he says, I want to give you a ton of money to thank you. Now, before it was like, I want to give you money to kind of like bribe you. And now it's just out of pure gratitude. I want to give you a ton of money. And Elisha said, no, I don't, I don't want it. I don't need it. Don't worry about it. And, uh, you, you're, you're free to go. So he goes, he leaves. But here's the best part. This is such a good line of scripture, but Gahatsi, the servant, but Gahatsi, the servant, Gahatsi was Elisha's like number two guy. Like he was always by Elisha's side and was a great friend and a great servant. And he's thinking, well, hold on. This guy's, this guy's got tons of money. The offer, it's something like, it was something like, like $2 million in today's the, the money, the, the offer from Naaman to Esau. And he didn't take it. So check this out. Uh, it's the 2 Kings 521. Uh, so Gehazi pursued Naaman. And when Naaman saw one running after him, he came down from the chariot to meet him and said, it's all well. And Megazi said, all is well. My master sent me. No, he didn't. That's a lie. So behold, and then he created this whole big story about why he needs money now. Uh, and Naaman said, oh, be pleased to take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver and two bags with two change of clothes and gave them to all of his servants that they carried it before him. So he stole. Uh, when he came down to the hill, he took them from their hand and deposited them in the house. He hid what he got. And he sent the men away and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said to him, where have you been, Gazi? And he said, your servant went nowhere. So he stole, he hid, and he lied twice. Once to Naaman and then to Elisha. And Elisha didn't fall for it at all. 
and gave him leprosy uh, to him and all of his descendants forever. Boom, right there on this one. So that's uh, that's a little lie, like a little lie in the sense of, uh, well, I mean, I'm gonna, it's, uh, the guy won't miss it. He's got a lot of money. I could use some money. I'll just tell him a little fib here, and it will it'll be fine. Yeah, God detests it. To go back to Jacob and Esau, many years went by. They didn't see each other. Finally, they met again, and Jacob was very worried that Esau was going to kill him. Uh, this is in Genesis 32. Great scene about uh, Jacob's preparation for meeting his brother. And when they finally met, Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. It was a wonderful uh, reunion. So that story of lying and betrayal had a happy-ish sort of ending. Most don't at all. So what do we do? What's in my control? Maybe this is a New Year's resolution for you. Just stop lying. Now, listen, I don't like New Year's resolutions because like, if there's a change you should make in your life or in yourself, you should do it now. <laughs> you don't need to wait till the beginning of the month or Monday or tomorrow or January 1st. But it's fine. Listen, I'm not a Scrooge about it. It's a good time to reflect and uh, resolve. Uh, Epictetus. He said, from now on then, resolve to live as a grown-up who is making progress and make whatever you think best a law that you should never set aside. And whenever you encounter anything that is difficult or pleasurable or highly or lowly regarded, remember that this contest is now. You are at the Olympic Games. You cannot wait any longer. And that your progress is wrecked or preserved by a single day and a single event. So it's like, do it now. Don't, it's not... These aren't like little things that don't matter until like the big moment when you'll really then tell the truth or be an honorable, virtuous person. And it's every day. As Thomas Jefferson was saying as well, it's, it's a, you're forming habits for better or worse. I'll leave you one final thought here about lying. Came across this from uh, Jordan Peterson episode. He and a bunch of Bible scholars are going through uh, Exodus, and it's it's quite good. And they're talking about the ten plagues, and they're they're talking about the plague that is the boils, where everyone's skin, all the Egyptian skin, turns into boils, right? And this is Dennis Prager and Jordan Peterson going back and forth, two of the people there, obviously. And they're talking about how, well, it's not just Pharaoh that's being punished, but all the people of Egypt. A lot of people raise the question. Why are all the Egyptians suffering? And so that raises the f huge issue of, is there such a thing as collective guilt? Well, it seems there, there doesn't have to be, Dennis. I don't, I don't believe that. One of the things I really learned from Solzhenitsyn in particular, and Rod Dreher has just written about this as well, it's like, you can think of the totalitarian state as the people laboring under the burden of Pharaoh. That's sort of the top-down crimes of obedience theory, right? It's authoritarian leaders. The people are basically innocent. And they, they work for the tyrant under compulsion. Or you can think, and I was just in Albania talking to people about this, and I went to the museum of the House of Leaves, which was the central museum for their KGB equivalent, and they spied on everyone. And all the Albanians I talked to, left and right, they all said the same thing. Under the Soviets, everyone lied about everything to everyone all the time. And so the tyranny is distributed through oh, the entire uh, system. That was my point, actually. Yeah. So uh, I, I say the Torah does believe in collective guilt. And, and by the way, there's a, there's a verse, which I didn't comment on earlier, 
where it, it says, and, and Pharaoh spoke to all his people, all the people participated in the killing of, of, the, of the Jewish children, of the Hebrew children. Uh, so I, I, I totally agree with what you said. Clearly, there are individuals who resist, right. but, but uh, that well, is they, rare. They're spared sometimes. I mean, you get that story with, with, uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah. You don't need that many good individuals right, for right, it to be but, spared. Yeah. But I don't think it's... The thing is, I think it's important. It's not collective guilt. It's that everybody in a community has the guilt, but it's because they did Fair something enough. wrong. They're, they're lying. That's and, right. And, yes, yes. And, and if they... Right. So Solzhenitsyn said famously, you know, one man who stops lying can bring down a tyranny. Consider that line. Everyone lied about everything to everyone all the time. Do we? Which leads to the unfortunately profound question of how guilty are we, the people? How guilty am I, the person, for the sins of our national leaders, or at least for these people even being our national leaders? Let's stop lying, even little things. No more lying. No more, uh, I'm Jewish, and then get called out. Like, oh, no, what I said was, I'm Jewish. Like, not, like enough of that. <laughs> enough of our versions of that. No more rationalizing lies. So, what do we think about it? What do we meditate on and get to sleep? If I can reference our morning motivations this week after we laid the groundwork on setting some resolutions, goals. You don't want to be outcome-based. Don't make outcome-based goals. Like, I'm, I'm going to lose five pounds. You're not going to. So the equivalent here is I, I'm not going to tell any more lies. No, that's not. Uh, don't make process-based goals. You have to make identity goals. So the equivalent here is I'm the kind of person who, that's what you got to ask. I'm the kind of person who never tells lies. Or you can do on the positive. I'm the kind of person who is always honest. And make it shorter. I am an honest person. What would an honest person do here? What would an honest person say? How would an honest person respond in this moment? God hates liars. God is truth. Of course he hates liars. John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. So, of course, let's not be anything like George Santos, but that's not a very high bar. Let's be like the way and the truth in our life. That's our episode. Thank you for being here. If you could leave a review on uh, iTunes or wherever you're listening, that'd be fantastic. That helps out the algorithm, helps get this out there to more people. Thank you for spreading the word. Every email I get, slaterradio at gmail.com. Every email I get, people are like, oh, I'm telling my friends, family, church, I'm spreading. I'm like, thank you so much. It's the only way we're spreading. So uh, thank you for doing that. I hope you have a wonderful night.